0: your Bible, open up to Luke 5. Say, but we're in the end of John, John 21. Well, have you ever watched a TV show and they say, previously on Law and Order, or previously, we have to do that a little bit today because um, it's going to be important. Usually when you get that flashback, it's to the characters in the past because there's something in the past that's going to be important to know for the story in the present. So, as we read John 21... We'll need to flash back a couple times to understand the text better. And this story isn't at the beginning of John, so we need to go to Luke 5 for it. Previously on the Bible. (laughs) All right, Luke 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, this is Jesus, this is when he's calling the first disciples at the beginning of his ministry, and they're pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of just center it, maybe? Forgot to ask how to say that. Gennesaret. All right, next verse. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was whose? Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to, the, to their other partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Boats are sinking. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and, who does it say? John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Alright, Last week, Pastor Dan walked us through the resurrection in John 20, as experienced by the disciples and some of the followers of Jesus, and he went over the transformative power of the resurrection. If you remember, he talked about John, the disciple, going from bewilderment to believing. He talked about Mary going from grieving to being sent to going. The ten disciples being, going from scared to being sent. Thomas from doubting to declaring, and then he ended with us, saying we need to go from believing to living. And that's where we're going to camp out a little bit today, of not just believing, but having life in his name and living out our calling. So chapter 21, it looks at the third and final resurrection appearance recorded in John, and specifically... It looks at Jesus' relationship with Peter and John. So that's why we went back. We had to see when they were first called because there's going to be a lot of parallels to that today in John 21. All right, so you ready? Last, Last chapter of John. Some people are like, thank goodness, we've been in it since September. And some of us are like, oh, we're going to really miss John. Let's take a look at what happens. John 21, verse 1. So after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, yay, Thomas is there this time, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which would include John, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. That's, that's kind of how I read it, like, I'm just going to go fishing. So if we remember and we'll, we'll look at it, you know, Peter had denied Christ. The whole death and resurrection of Jesus had happened, right? He would appeared to them in the last chapter, and now what is he doing? I'm going fishing. And it says, uh, They said to him, the other disciples that are with him, there's six others, We will go with you. So they're going fishing too. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Does that sound familiar? From Luke 5, they caught nothing that night too. So there's a lot of questions here. Were they going back to their old ways? Was this a bad thing that they went out fishing? Was it wrong? Was it sinful? It's definitely not, I don't think, what Jesus had told them to do. Um, One commentary says, you know, it's probable that after the whole scandal of the cross, their ministry had kind of stalled or ended or there wasn't any more funding and the disciples were trying to figure out what to do. Maybe return to their former occupation of fishing to gain a livelihood. And so these seven are embarked on the Sea of Tiberias. And at best, best it it shows that Peter and the other disciples were just uncertain as to what they should do next. The fishing expedition plainly reveals the uncertainty of the disciples, an uncertainty which contrasts sharply when we see at Pentecost they're going to have purpose. And I like to think that Jesus knew he needed to appear to them one last time to really get them going. So let's look at verse four here. It says, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So if you look at all the stories after the resu- resurrection, Jesus loves to come incognito, kinda, he asks questions, he's seen their responses, maybe he wants to see like, what they're gonna say to a stranger after this whole resurrection thing happened, but they don't know it's Jesus, and Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. no. Anyone like fishing in here? Go fishing? It can be frustrating sometimes, right? I remember my mom loves fishing. We'd go up north. She'd go, she always wanted people to go out really early with her to go fishing. And she wasn't a very good fisherman, fisherwoman. She, she barely caught any fish. So we'd always ask her when she's coming in, did you catch anything? No, but she just loved being out there and fishing. But it can be frustrating. So they say, no. He's calling out, calling out from the shore. Did you catch anything? He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, who's that? John, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. This is the same thing that happened in Luke 5. John realizes And when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Does that sound like the Peter we know? So, most commentaries, he was probably like half naked. And so he put something on and he jumped into the ocean. And the other disciples came in the boat. They dragged the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a... Charcoal fire. Say charcoal fire. That's going to come back later. They saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him. This is the third time he's appeared to them. Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So it sounds familiar, right, To the, some, some parts to the first story? And there's a simple principle. They worked all night doing their own thing, but when they're working with the Lord, it makes a big difference, right? And I also love how Jesus... Is serving them again, giving them breakfast. This is a washing feet kind of moment again. One, one last lesson from Jesus. One last chance for him to serve his disciples to show servant leadership, and one last miracle, right? That John is recording. One hundred and fifty-three fish, and I, there's something there. I, I can't figure it out, but it really caught my eye that in the first, when they were first called, the the ships were sinking and the nets were breaking. But this net is not breaking. And I just imagine, it says Peter ran out there. He's probably wading through the water. He's like, oh, you told us to get the fish? And he's pulling in this huge haul of fish, two, three hundred pounds of fish um, that he brings in. But John is the one that recognizes Jesus, right? But Peter, John is first in recognition, but Peter is first in devotion. And he jumps off the, the boat and they were right by the shore. The other disciples were probably like, what are you doing, man? Like, we're just going to pull in. Maybe John told us in the last chapter that he was the first one to get to the tomb. Maybe Peter wants to be the first one to Jesus this time. But the, the boat couldn't move quickly enough for Peter. And uh, Jesus prepares this charcoal fire with the fish there. I guess third time's the charm as he appears to them the third time. And uh, why did Jesus perform this miracle? I'm not going to put the verse on there. Dan read it today, right? These miracles were written down so that we would believe, right? So one more time, we get a miracle to believe and, and believe that Jesus is the Son of Christ, or that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and to have life in his name. So one last miracle, one last lesson. And the first question I have in your notes is... Where is Jesus going to find you? Living in your past or living in your calling? Because this is all about action. This is all about living in our calling. So where is Jesus going to find you? He found his disciples back to fishing, right? And they, they had been with Jesus for three years. We looked at when they were first called. can think back to when we were first called, when we first believed, when we were first baptized. You know, if Jesus dropped in incognito in your week this week, what would he find you doing? I mean, he is watching us. He, he's, he's with us till the very end of the age. But what would he, what would he see you doing? Are you living in your, in your old ways? Are you living in your calling, living for him? Because he, that's where he found Peter and John, living in his old ways. So what does that look like? I put in parentheses You know, I think a lot of it was just living in fear versus living in trust. And if we go back and remember John 18, when Jesus was arrested, Pastor Dan in that message had given us kind of here's how Peter was reacting and here is how Jesus was reacting. And we need to flash back kind of one more time to look at John 18. So that's up there. This is when Peter denies. It says, Simon Peter, he followed Jesus when he was arrested, and so did another disciple. Who was that? Do you remember? John. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door, so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door, and she brought Peter in. You remember this? The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this this man's disciples, are you? And he said, "I'm not." Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire. I think I don't think that's a coincidence, because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. And Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him. I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues. Oh, wait, this is a different part than I had on there. Let me read it from here. Uh, the charcoal fire. This is verse 25. Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. This is the second time. It says, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? When he was around the fire and he said, I'm not. Oh, there we go. Verse 26. And then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, like, yeah, you were there. You cut off my relative's ear. Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it, and once, and at once a rooster crowed. Three denials, right? When Pastor Dan gave us that message, here's a few things he had said. He said, Peter reacted. He was impulsive. He cut off the ear of the guard. He blended and hid in the crowd. He feared, and he denied three times. But what did Jesus do during that time? And we didn't, we didn't have a chance to look through it all, but he obeyed and he declared and he surrendered himself and he suffered for us and ultimately he trusted in God's plan. So where's Jesus gonna find you this week? Is he gonna find you in fear and in your old ways or is he gonna find you trusting God and living out your calling? So we gotta talk about the elephant in the room. What happens after breakfast? After they eat with Jesus, Jesus and Peter have a conversation. we got to talk about it. Verse 15, John 21:15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. All right, what does this all mean? Well, there's, de- there's definitely different Bible scholars who argue about when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? What is he referring to? Maybe the other disciples? Maybe just fishing and the fish, other people? I don't think it's that important what he's referring to. But we do know that Jesus is using the Greek word agape for love, which is an unconditional, all-giving love So whatever the meaning, whatever he's referring to, the fish or the other disciples or whatever it is, the main question in your notes is, do you love Jesus more than everything else? Do you love me more than these? And then what does Jesus ask Simon to do? Feed my lamb. Feed my lambs. And we know from John that Jesus is the good shepherd, right? We read that too. And we are junior shepherds. We demonstrate our love for Jesus by loving God's people and feeding them the word. So I just put three things in your notes of what, what that could look like. Loving, loving your fellow believers and, um, and feeding them, feeding them the word. Well, if you're going to feed people the word, you've got to be learning from the word, right? How can you teach the word if you don't know the word? We need to be learning from the word. And this is really a self-assessment Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? But he could be asking any one of us, right? Do you, do you love me more than everything else with agape, unconditional love? Is that where you are today? And are you learning from the word? You could put a yes or no next to these. Learning from the word, are you getting in it every day? All right, we're supposed to feed the lambs. We gotta be with the lambs to do that, right? So the second one is living in community. I think a lot of us are learning from the word and a lot of us are living in community, but if you're not, like if you're, if you're called to be part of the church and build up the body, you got to be involved in the church. Be in a community group. At least that's how we try to do it at Gateway. And then the third one is looking for discipleship opportunities. So learning, living, and looking. That, that's kind of what came through my mind. Feed my lambs. Feed the word, love others. So we got to live in community to love others. We got to learn from the word so we can teach it to others. Then we got to look for discipleship. So the first two, I think a lot of us are doing, learning from the word and living in community. But we got to go deeper. We got to be willing to look for ways that we can grow uh, even even more. And I think Dan's going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. And I'm excited because I know that Jen and Dan have some discipleship things they want to kind of start in the fall. And so those things are coming. But maybe if you're putting the yes or no, kind of circle one of those things that the Lord is speaking to you about that you need to do today. All right, let's look at verse 16. He said to him a second time, Jesus says to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay, we'll get to that part in a second. So Peter denies Jesus three times. And Jesus asked him if he loves him how many times? Three, around the charcoal fire. So there's a lot of parallels here, but Peter, in some ways, is, Jesus is letting him undo his denial, and Peter understood that Jesus just knows him better than he even knows himself. I love this, because Jesus, this is, this is what I think Peter needs before he's going to lead the church. Jesus is reaffirming Peter's love for him, and he's recommissioning Peter. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you, love, do you love me? Feed my sheep. So one commentary I was looking at said Jesus didn't ask Peter, are you sorry? Will you promise never to do that again? He challenged Peter to love. And uh, that's what he's challenging us to do, to love. Obedience is important. Repentance is important. Our conduct is important, but it's about our heart. And where's your heart at today? We're challenged to love. Charles Spurgeon says, There are preachers of the gospel among us who have dragged a full net to shore. The great fishes have been many. They have been great and successful workers. But this does not prevent its being needful for the Lord to examine them as to their hearts. He bids them put by their nets for a while and commune with him. So this is the time where uh, the rubber meets the road for Peter. I'm not going to say what Dan says, but you might know it, right? Right? What do you say, Dan? Sure, yes, well, the rubber meets the road. It's decision time. And Jesus lays out to them, he's an example. And, and really, this is the heart of the message this morning. Do you love Jesus more than everything else? And I think our answer is in our actions and the way that we live. Are we going to mess up over and over again like Peter? Yes, indeed. Thank goodness that Jesus continues to forgive and, and Peter really messed up, but Jesus comes to him, and he forgives him, and he reaffirms his love, and he recommissions him. And maybe today you feel like you failed God, or you've messed up over and over again, and Jesus is asking you, do you love me? Come back to me. Follow me. Let me recommission you. Send you back on the path. So that you can use the gifts he has given you to build up the body of believers. Because you have things the Lord has prepared for you to do. So if, if you are in, stuck in that situation, you're preventing the Lord from using you in the church. And maybe it's not that you're being hard on yourself and you feel like you messed up or failed God. Maybe you're, you're just stuck. Maybe you're, you're, learning, you're reading the word, you're living in community, but you're just, for some reason or another your time at Gateway or other churches, you've been scared to really go deep. You've only let yourself kind of go so far. And I would just say, get out of your, com- your comfort zone. Jump out of the boat like Peter. Let's learn from Peter. His action wasn't always a bad thing, right? We see his passion and his devotion. So be in community let someone disciple you so you can be equipped to serve and be a leader in the church. And if you don't know what it means to go deeper or, or what, you should, what you feel like you should be doing in discipleship, that's a great time to talk to a leader or an elder or pastor. But that's not all he tells Peter. Let's look at verse 18. This is important too. Jesus tells Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old... You will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, what does he say? Follow me. All right, you can go. Peter churned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Who's that? John, the one who also had leaned back against him during the, the supper and had said, Lord, Who is it that is going to betray you? Come to that in just a second. But Jesus, Peter is doing the same thing he was doing three years ago. He was fishing when he met Jesus. And Jesus tells him again, three years later, follow me. He was following him for three years, but he retells him that. And Jesus also tells Peter when he says, "Um, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and show what kind of, and sorry, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you want to go. They believe that he was telling Peter what, that he was going to die, a crucifixion on the cross. And we have pretty good evidence that 34 years after this, Peter is crucified. And I think the first time Peter denied, that's probably what he was afraid of was crucifixion, or all the disciples were afraid to be crucified like Jesus was. And so I feel like this is bittersweet because, yes, Peter is going to die, but we know he's, he will pass the test that he initially failed. He will faithfully die for Jesus and go to the cross. And we see, especially reading First and Second Peter, we see a very mature Peter that I think we could take those characteristics that we originally saw when Jesus was arrested and say Peter was obedient and he declared and he surrendered and he suffered and he ultimately did trust in God. So let's see what happens with John. I'm going to read verse 20 again. So Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Verse 21, Peter saw him and he said to Jesus, I love this part, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. I feel like we can all <laughs> relate to this. So, so Jesus basically is telling Peter, you will be killed for me. And he's like, well, what about John? <laughs> and Jesus says, That's, why do you care? That is his path. This is your path. You follow me. Verse 23. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. So there's a rumor going around that John wasn't going to die, which is not what Jesus said. That's what John tries to clear, clear up here. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, What is that to you? So John's clearing up some rumors here, but he's also, they're missing the point. I I love that this was a rumor in the early church. The point was, Peter, don't worry about John. Worry about yourself. So Peter represents a lot of us. We find it easy to deflect any personal challenge from Jesus by wondering and even worrying about other disciples. Another quote from Charles Spurgeon says, I have come to the conclusion that instead of trying to set all my master's servants right at once, my first and most important work is to follow my Lord, and I think my brother that it will be wise for you to come to the same conclusion. In other words, like don't worry about trying to make everybody else do the right thing. You need to follow follow the Lord. Let's read these last two verses here and then we'll talk about it. Verse 24 and 25. This is the disciple who is bearing witness, John, about these things and who has written these things and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So finally, just in your notes, it says, what is your focus? Don't compare yourself to others. God has a different plan for each of us. Don't say, great message. I hope Kyle Drake heard it. No. (laughs) I hope Scott was really listening to that message. But sometimes we do that, right? We think, oh man, this, this is exactly what this person needs to hear. No, let's focus on ourselves. Or we be careful not to get in the mindset, why am I the only one suffering for Christ? I feel like Peter turns it on to John, and, and Jesus is saying, worry about yourself. Or, on the opposite side, why does this person get all these blessings and I'm not? So, last question is, what is your focus? And I don't want to make, it, I don't want to make this more complicated than, than what Jesus said. He told them simply, in the beginning, when they were fishermen, to follow me. And now, here at the end of John, after the resurrection, what does he say to Peter? follow me. You follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Don't worry about him. You follow me. So in your notes there, it's very simple. Follow Jesus. We're called to be disciples and disciple makers, to believe but also have life in his name, to be fishers of men. Now, we all have different professions in here, and we have different callings, but we know our ultimate calling. We're not just teachers or accountants or police officers or fill in the blank. This is our ultimate calling. Jesus did not tell Peter or John, uh, believe in me, right? Although John's telling us to believe, right? He did not tell Peter and John, okay, come to church on Sunday, although that's a good thing to do. He said, follow me. So we have to wrestle with what does that look like? It's not just saying, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm going to do my own thing following Jesus, being a disciple, living day in and day out, trying to learn from him and having relationship with him. We're called to live live out our calling and trust God's plan. Don't go back to our old ways. To love him above all else. To grow in our calling so that we can build up the church, to feed and tend the sheep, which we can only do by choosing to follow Jesus every day of our lives. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask... Bill to come up, and uh, we're going to go into a time of communion, and I just want us to reflect what is God telling me through the whole book of John or even just today with this final part, and what am I going to do about it? When you're ready, if you are a follower of Christ like Peter and John and can say, Lord, you know everything. You know my heart. You know that I love you. We invite you to come up to the table, receive the elements, and when you have them, we'll take communion together and end in worship.